0: Welcome to Focus on Women season four. This season, we are proud to announce our new artist collective initiative. We're collaborating with illustrators and photographers by commissioning them to create some amazing artwork that uplifts women of all kinds. We will then take that artwork and make it available on tote bags, stickers, art prints, and so much more. 25% of the proceeds will go towards the cost of producing our fabulous podcast, and the remaining will go into the artist's pocket. If you're interested in being a part of this program, please go to our website at focusonwomen.org and click on the Artist Collective tab. Thanks so much for listening and being subscribers. Hi, this is Tracy with Focus on Women, and today's guest is Carla Bugs, the CEO of Bay Area Black Market and Nail Professionals. Welcome, Carla. Hello, and thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. And we also have our producer Shelly Waldman here. Hey, Shelly. Hey, Tracy. Hey, Carla. So Shelly is really our connection to how we met Carla. So why don't you guys, Shelly, why don't you tell us how you met each other? And then we can take it from there.
1: I would be happy to. Uh, I was down in downtown Oakland a couple months ago when they were um, painting Black Lives Matter down 15th Street. And I saw this very vivacious woman walking through the avenue, the block, and I saw her heading towards the storefront and she had stopped to take a picture of all the painters and activists on the street. And we struck up a conversation and it turned out that the store she was walking into was her storefront. And that led to a conversation of, oh, well, what do you do? I'm a nail professional. And then that turned into, well, I work in commercial nails and I work with celebrities. And I, of course, was Immediately fascinated and I had to know everything about Carla. (laughs) And about two weeks or so after that, um, I actually popped by to see Carla again and introduce her to some of my friends. And then we decided to have a little coffee date like a week or two after that, where we actually got to know a little bit more about each other.
0: Cool. So Carla, can you tell us, um, I'm assuming the nail profession came first before you started the black area. Uh, Black
2: market, correct? Yes, it did. I've been a manicurist for about 10 years now. One of many uh, businesses that I've started. I've been an entrepreneur since I think I was about 19 years old. Um, But it was something about the nail business that just captured my heart. And I think like part of that is probably my mom. I remember her when she was battling drug addiction. I remember her going to school um, to become a manicurist, but not finishing that program. My sister was a stylist. My aunt was a manicurist. So I think it was a natural progression for me to just have some interest in beauty. And nails is just kind of where I settled. It made most sense for me.
0: Yeah. And... Uh do you have an actual salon as well as your, I know you have a website because I've ordered stuff from you. <laughs> Did you enjoy it? I loved it. And I gave the, I gave gifts. You have that great little, it's like a package, kind of do it yourself at home, which is mm-hmm. brilliant. And I gave it to my sister-in-law this summer. Yeah.
2: Amazing. Thank you so much for your support. Yeah. No, it's, it's really been amazing um yes i have a salon that was how this all started i went to school opened up a salon on 15th street which is where shelly and i met i actually opened the salon on the other corner where they were actually painting we and when i say we opened it like it was a um, dry cleaners so it was carpeted it was very gross we pulled out all of the carpet. We like by hand did the floors, um, redid the wood, just had a really good time recreating a space that we thought our customers would like. The first year we went in to have a customer appreciation party and it was flooded with um, sewage. So after one year at that location, um, I think we may have not had a space for about two weeks. And a space across the street became available. And we've been across the street for 10 years. So I think it happened the way that it was supposed to happen. It was, a, it's a much smaller space than what we had before, but I love it. And it actually is more of a sense of community on this side of the street. Hmm.
1: So Carla, can we back up a bit? Because uh, talking about this entrepreneurial spirit and like the art vibe that have, runs through your family. Mm-hmm. I know from our conversations that going back for manicuring school was not really an easy decision or an easy path. Can you talk about what was going on in your life at that point in time and what you had to do in order to even attend uh, getting that degree?
2: Yeah, I was working a full-time job. I had had several layoffs previous, this was before the whole dot-com boom. Um, I was in accounts receivable, and a lot of the jobs at that time were moving down south because it was just cheaper. And so I decided I wanted to do something on my own that I didn't have to rely on the corporate system um, pretty much to me to eat. So I came up with becoming a manicurist, um, and it was a great idea until I had to figure out how I was going to get there, who was going to take care of my two kids while I (laughs) was there, um, how I was going to do homework, um, and all these different things that I really didn't consider at the onset of this idea. So in the end, I had to get someone to watch my kids for me. So my mom and my friends watched my kids. Um, That part, check, got it done. But then I had to get there, and if you've been in the Bay Area, like nothing is forty five minutes on in a drive at five o'clock Let's like like nothing. I don't even think your bus ride is forty five minutes in the Bay Area, so I had to figure out how to get from Oakland to Concord. If you've ever been on twenty four you know it's not happening in forty five minutes so I end up leaving my car at my house every day and catching the BART to work so that I could catch the BART at night to Concord, which meant I didn't have a way to get back at 10 o'clock when school got over. So I had to get back on the bus at 10 o'clock at night to get back to Oakland to get back to my car, to my house. So I did that for six months. The class is only four months, but just that whole thing took me so long to do because I had kids. If one of the kids got sick, then I kind of had to take a leave of absence um, from school. Or I remember I went during Christmas vacation. I didn't factor that in. So I couldn't go to school during Christmas vacation because the kids were out. So all of those little things. So it took me six months to do a 400-hour class. Um, But I pushed through it, sick and all, everything, all the the nights, um, doing homework late, doing homework on the bar, doing flashcards in the bathroom. I remember it all, but I got it done, I think, yeah, I was like 40 years old then. So no, it wasn't like I was in my 20s. Um, And it was an easy feat. It was a lot to get all of that done at that age and what I had to go through to get there.
1: And on top of all of that, you had some medical stuff going on.
2: Yeah. I added a whole different layer of things. Yeah. At the same time, I found out I had cervical cancer. So I'm dealing with a bunch of stuff, but just determined to kind of push through Um, because it was a goal of mine. And it was honestly, I kind of want to say it was the first goal that I set for myself that really wasn't attached to anybody or anything. It was something that I was doing for myself. If I succeeded or if I failed was all about me. It wasn't really about like, if I don't succeed at this, like my kids will be homeless or anything because I had a day job. It was more about, I want something to call my own so that if the company that I work for um, decides to dissolve itself, if the person that I'm with decides to leave, you know, all of those things, I just wanted something that was my own. And I knew that that license would provide that for me because I could take it from state to state to state with me. And I would be fine if I had to, you know, start all over in life by myself with my kids. So that was kind of what, the drive behind making sure that I accomplished it was I was determined that I was going to have another option for myself.
1: So that took you Okay, so you finished school, did you even know that this commercial side of uh nail art even existed at that time?
2: Uh, no, I all I knew was what I saw in my community which was um, these really low level nail salons uh, with people that didn't look like me, which is kind of what pushed me into the industry is I I loved getting my nails done. Um, I loved the color. I love um, what I thought the experience should be in my head. Whether I got that experience or not, that's a different subject. But what I thought a manicure was supposed to be in my head I was just in love with that process. So I think I was in love with trying to find somewhere to get it. So I would go to all these different um, salons and as I went to all the salons, I kind of felt like some things that I was seeing, could they weren't safe and maybe could be illegal. So that's kind of was number two, because I was like, well, if I'm in here, like my community is in here. I couldn't speak to the people who were there because they didn't even speak English. So now we have, I'm not sure if I'm safe and I can't really have a conversation with the person either. So it was some of that also that pushed me into the industry because I just felt like there was no diversity in it, but there were people that were making millions of dollars in my neighborhood and couldn't even speak to me. So it just, it felt wrong. So it was all like me, you can almost say like researching and digging. I wanted to find out more and more. Like I went through finding out how did they even start like working in this industry? So I just really started digging and digging and digging into the nail industry. Um, How it literally, how did we get to where we are today, where our salons are filled with people that look like usually none of us. And then there aren't customers that look like the people who are serving us inside of those salons. So then those are questions that I had too, like, well, where do they go? Because they're not in here. So <laughs> it was all of those things that kind of, I just kept asking myself these questions until I realized I really love this industry as I kind of fell in love with it more and more opportunities become, came my way um some really great opportunities like being able to do editorials, um, work with celebrities at different venues, at different hotels. Um, I've had the opportunity to work at some really great companies um and have some amazing, like really, really amazing experiences and stories. Um, but talk to us just, about,
1: well, so since you just touched on that, right, so you you start to realize like, wait a second, my, co- my community is not being really served by people that look like me. And you start to fill that void. I and start having,
2: the- yeah, I start having these events. Like I started, instead of being behind the table, I decided like pretty quickly, I don't wanna be behind the table instead. I think what I'll do is I'll go to people's houses and I'll do this service for them. Um, At the time, I didn't really know it was illegal. I guess I forgot to research that part. So I found (laughs) out that that part was illegal. But it was not illegal if you weren't able to go to the salon. So then that was the little caveat that I operated on is I did clients that couldn't go to um, a salon. By way of doing that, I got introduced to editorials um and doing celebrities because of the just the pure clientele that I had a lot of it was you know a daughter calling me to can you come and service my mom or a woman who she's gone to the podiatrist the podiatrist has cut them but now she needs someone to come in and really shape them and make them beautiful because that's not what the podiatrist does so from changing the way that I thought about my business. I was literally able to build a network that introduced me to different opportunities. So I started working for Macy's, doing retail events for them. Um, Cartier, I've worked for them. I think the two most exciting experiences have been the editorial for Kipling's bag in San Francisco Um And that was kind of a turning point for you. You had some aha moments. during It was, it was, it was probably my lowest and my greatest, uh, my lowest, yeah, my lowest of low and my highest of high for my career all at the same time. Um, being in those situations and being the only person of color is kind of difficult sometimes because you feel like, You don't connect with anybody that's kind of in that space. And you feel like you're like in this corner, like, you know, you're there and those other people are there, but you don't feel like maybe a part of this overall team. So day one, I was excited because I was picked. Right. (laughs) By day two, (laughs) I was like, okay, I don't know if my spirit can handle you know, going to do this one more time. But I also knew that I was committed. I'm devoted to what I said I was going to do. And it was enough money that I definitely couldn't afford to say no to the amount of money that they were paying me for that day. So I pushed through it. Um, on day three, I was like, Oh my God, they tell me that we're going to be on an RV today. Like, number one, it's raining. It's like eight o'clock in the morning and it's raining in San Francisco. We're going to be in an RV. The previous two days were all on set and we were stationary. So, this third day now, they're talking about we're going to be moving on an RV and all I can think about is wait, Like, what? You want me to do like three manicures moving? Like, there's going no up in way. Hills? No way that this is happening. Like, in my head, what's the the crookedest street in the world? Like, that's all that I could imagine I was (laughs) going to be going on, and I was going to have to be on (laughs) this um, RV trying to paint nails while we were doing this. And if you've ever ridden in San Francisco, you know there are no smooth streets. Because every street has cable car, or something on them, so there are. There's no such thing as the smooth streets of San Francisco. So I was already panicking from um, that time that they said what we were going to be doing. So I get in, I and I have anxiety, and I'm I, I have anxiety that makes me cannot breathe for the day. So I didn't have an anxiety attack, but in my head, I was like, Lord, please just stay with me because I don't know how I'm gonna do this. I really. I think in my head, I kind of prepared myself to fail. And I just left it at that. Like, I'm not going to succeed at this. I'm not going to fail at this. I'm going to fail at this because I'm not even the right person to be here. Like, that was how I felt that morning. That, that imposter syndrome that people talk about, that definitely had settled in by day three. And then on top of that, I remember Helena Christensen. Like, she was the last person of the day. And she says she doesn't like any of the polishes that I've brought. So I'm just like, okay, great. Like, I can't be any worse today. But then I take out my business card. I look at the colors that I have. I look at her skin tone. And I literally recreate a nail polish color right there on the spot in this moving RV. I asked her, does she like the color? And she looks at me, and she goes, yes. Like, this is the first try. I'm like, yes, okay, this day is getting better. So I (laughs) apply this polish color, which in my head, I don't even want you to know what I'm thinking. I'm like, I can't believe she just put me through this. Like, we are moving, woman. Like, we don't have time for this. And I need you to be dry in three minutes. So... I don't think she really understood like my role, which I really don't think she's paid to. But at that moment, literally, all I could think about is I'm just going to fail until the moment that I started applying the nail polish brown. I'll say, finger number six. And I hadn't dropped polish anywhere. I hadn't gotten any polish on her skin. And I was like, wait, I am the shit. I just created nail polish and I'm painting it without a drop in San Francisco on a moving RV. Um, And I think it was it was that moment that was pivotal in my career. Let me know, no, I am doing what I'm supposed to do. um, And I'll be doing this for the rest of my life. And I kind of took that attitude and I've been doing it for the rest of my life.
1: It's led you to some really amazing things because what's interesting and I find super fascinating is you actually have some allergies (laughs) that have come out of being a manicurist. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about how that has affected, you know, your philosophy and where you've now taken this
2: new approach to your business. As any good entrepreneur, you are going to beta test. And so in my beta testing days, I found out that I was allergic to most products that were out there. So every, I'll say every month I was kind of ordering new stuff because I want to, you know, offer this. And I would use it for a couple of weeks and my hands would break out. That happened to me like for a good year, my first year, until I was like, okay, I can't use acrylics. I can't use a lot of the gels. This part may not be for me. So I had to early on get okay with just doing um, manicures and natural services because I was allergic to all of the chemicals. That was one of the other reasons that I knew being behind the table wasn't going to be so easy for me and that I was going to have to do something different because I couldn't see the people in my community wanting only a manicure which was going to put me back to feeling like I felt at that event that I'm only going to have clients that don't look like me. And I had done that in, in corporate America. Like I was tired of being in spaces of people that didn't look like me. So I think with a lot of intention, I started to move a little differently and market my services a little differently and talk about my allergies two products um, and started to go natural, started to talk about some of the dangers at the nail salon. I started to talk about how diabetics weren't served properly um, at the nail salon. And so my career just kind of took off because I realized that I was more than just a person sitting behind a table. um, And the allergies were kind of that part, the beginning of Just extending it from just being a nail tech to being an advanced nail tech to then studying um, podology and becoming a certified podologist, it just made me really look at the whole industry at a different level because I couldn't use all the popular products that my customers wanted. And I had to be able to explain why I wasn't using them and I couldn't use them and convince them why they should be using the stuff that I was using but it's also
1: led you to create some stuff of your own and create this new, like Carla's experience kit, uh, like Tracy was talking about. So talk to us a little bit about your, your path to creating your own product.
2: I think, well, along with the being allergic to everything, I kind of started making like my own scrub to put on my customer. You know, it says sugar scrub, but if it's, if I'm scratching after it, I have to believe there's something else in there. So um, I just started making my own stuff and I was literally making it like when you go to Benihana's and they put it all in front of you. I was doing that for my clients and really creating An experience for them at the table. Everything was really mixed um, so that they could see it. So since I was doing that, COVID hits and I can't do that at all. So my first mind went to, oh, just put that in a box. Well, no, I take that back. I have a friend, her name is Janet, and she called and she said, I need another bottle of cuticle oil because it's been saving me during COVID. She said, it's the only thing that's been saving me during COVID for my pedicure. And I was like, wait, what? And she was like, yeah, I've been using it since I can't go get a pedicure. And I started asking questions like, what do you mean? Like, how is it helping? She was like, my feet look like I still have a pedicure and it's been over a month. So I was like, oh, wait, let me think about this. And so literally the next week, I looked at how do I put all my products in a box and start shipping it out to people since nail salons are closed. Here's a solution for those people that had gel nails on and needed to get it off. They had acrylics on and needed to get them off because we did not know when salons were going to reopen. So I literally, all the things that I use, put them in a box and I literally, I think in my head, I thought I might sell 25 of these. So I just put it on my Facebook page and literally, it never dawned on me that the business would really take a pivot. I just thought it would be how I would just make a few bucks while salons were closed. Instead, what it has turned into is I've done a complete pivot Um, And change of business model. So I don't even have an interest in doing services anymore. I've switched my model to sending out these boxes, which, by the way, we've pivoted again since I last talked to you. We still have the box, but now we've pivoted to B2B. And we've pivoted to, we provide these virtual experiences, and the box comes along with that experience. So let's say we have hand hygiene workshops where we're really talking about hand anatomy, hand hygiene, the proper way to use hand sanitizer, um, reflexology, acupressure, and this box is coming to you with all of these materials in it, and I'm walking you through. Um, these things, you know, you ha- we changed our hand sanitizer to a hand and surface sanitizer, so we just upgraded some things because I, as any entrepreneur, you got to keep pivoting. So that uh, even though that was a great pivot for the moment, it was hard to. Um, what I found is I couldn't build a pipeline with consumers. That was the first thing that I really keen on is. It, it's if I have to spend marketing dollars, I'm not willing to spend my marketing dollars and work for one box. I'd rather spend my marketing dollars and sell, you know, a high volume of boxes. So we've pivoted from consumer over to B2B. And now we have clients like Felice Insurance, um, Insperity. Um, we've had Cisco. So it's been I, I keep having this amazing journey in this industry. And I know it's all because of my ability to pivot and keep my eyes open and really not just think of myself as a manicurist or a service provider, but as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And that's
1: something that really has always come across. When I first met you, we talked about you're super multifaceted. Um, You know, this is just one, I would say this is like 10 to 20% of what you do. Uh, you do run Bay Area Black Market. You also are very involved in tech. Uh, you also are a mentor to many youth that are out there, and to many people in your local community. You're an advocate for um, Black small businesses, Black-owned businesses in Oakland and abroad. You sit on many boards. Carla is a very active person in the Bay Area, and I just I don't know where you find the time or the energy because you know, there's only 24 hours in a day, but somehow you make it seem like there's 36 hours in a day. I'm always (laughs) sleepy.
0: Hey guys, it's Tracy from Focus on Women. I want to talk about our new artist collective we are working with illustrators and photographers and looking for people to create some great visuals that we can then put on tote bags, t-shirts, stickers, etc. So if you're interested, please go to our website at focusonwomen.org and check out the Artist Collective Initiative. Thanks, guys.
1: I would love for you to tell us your journey on. So you had this box, you pivoted to customers, you pivoted to B2B, but you also created a whole line of nail
2: polish. So I have been talking about this nail polish. I'm going to say since probably year two, I think I started off with letting you know, I've been a manicurist for 10 years. So for the last eight years, I've talked about it. Um, The project in itself probably cost back then $500. So we know about inflation. So let's just say the same project that I could have started for $500 cost me $2,000 to start today. Um, And because I was so afraid of failing and succeeding at the same time that I had paralyzed myself and just couldn't move forward one way or the other. And I'm, not, I'm still not sure what it was about COVID that shook that away, but something about COVID and it being the right moment, the right time, and I think the success of the box allowed me to not be afraid um, about doing it. And I think I had also been in tech long enough. So I had seen people fail and I had seen people fail with millions of dollars. So I was like, and here I am. I don't want to fail with a couple hundred. And there are people who fail like majorly, like shouldn't come outside again, majorly. And I'm not failing that horribly. And I had to really like talk to myself in a really practical way. To kind of put fire under my ass and make me realize that I had to at least start and I had to at least try because if I never started and I never tried, I would never know what the outcome would be. It would all be some thing that I created in my head. Um, COVID and, and again the, the weird part of COVID, I don't know what it was, but it was an opportunity for me to step outside of that box because everyone would think no matter. Even if I had started, I had done the nail polish eight years ago, I hadn't. So starting it at COVID was actually a better time because I just wasn't afraid anymore. It was a great opportunity to start over. It was like life started over in 2020. So whatever you had done before really didn't matter. Like You had an opportunity to recreate your life, to recreate who you are, your business, and kind of shake up the world and yourself if you really wanted to. And I felt like that was the time to do it. I was inside the house. Like, I think being inside too, you're inside long enough, you get crazy thoughts. (laughs) It was a crazy thought that I would succeed and I did. So I think, you know, covid was a blessing for some people. Like, don't get me wrong. I know it's, I'm not saying I want to continue to be in the house, but I definitely think having the ability to not, for me, because I am so busy, like you mentioned, it was the opportunity to be still for a while. So it gave me time to put some pieces together that I think I just wasn't able to put together because I was always moving. So I was able to sit down for, you know, two or three weeks and really execute things that i had wanted to execute but like you said i only have a few hours in the day i work in tech during um from nine to five so i'm doing a commute i was commuting from walnut creek to oakland um i've changed my life drastically due to COVID. like i live in oakland now so my life has really changed drastically um That was one of the biggest, I think, and most priceless things that could have happened is I had the ability to live here again.
1: So with the nail polish, you ran into some interesting problems. uh, Mm -hmm. With like the manufacturer, with we were talking about people who don't look like you or who don't believe you because, you know, who are you to do this? And I love that you kind of had this newfound like, Don't give me your lip. Don't give me your sass.
2: We're making this happen. Um, Um, Very much so. It took three manufacturers to get this done. Um, The first manufacturer, I had literally been talking to this woman for years because I wanted to know that I was going in partnership with the right person. I wanted to know that Um, where her head and where her heart was in the business. I didn't want to, you know, start a relationship with a vendor. And then 12 months later, I'm back trying to find a new vendor. So I spent a couple of years getting to know her in the process of that. She added her husband to the business who became the president. I made my order for my samples. I received them. Um, They weren't any color that I would have ever ordered. Like, they're nice bottles and everything, but they weren't in colors that I would ever order. So I wanted to know, you know, like, can I get samples of the colors that I'm going to order? And they told me, um, no. What do you mean, no? Um, they expected me to hand them over thousands of dollars without me ever, um, being able to sample the product that I was actually going to be selling. And I kind of had to explain to them, like, whatever color I'm seeing on my computer is, I can't be 100% of that because I can have a 1989 laptop and you might have a 2020. And so these colors are going to look different. And then I I just don't, I, I don't know how to do business like that they literally started um, ignoring me. When I say ignoring me, like they blocked me on Instagram, everything as if I had done something wrong because I asked for a sample. hmm mm-hmm. um, Then I had, um, there was the conversation about I also wanted to add technology to my business. Um, and it was kind of a shunning as if I wasn't smart enough to add tech to a nail polish business and I was told repeatedly how somebody else had done that and when I asked, well, where is it? Then no one could ever tell me, you know, where this phantom app was that did what I was explaining to them that I wanted my app to do and no one would really help me with the app. So I'd also been talking about this app for eight years because I was hoping someone would be able to help me um, to build the app in that time. And no one really took my idea seriously about the app, which is, by the way, being um, worked about on like now. That. I did find someone <laughs> to um, help me to build the app and to invest in that portion of the business. Actually, they want to become an investor of the business overall because of the plan of the technology piece and a uh, switch into B- B2B it's just a totally different market and adding the virtual events. Like I have virtual concerts on my offering with R and B artists. So I really thought outside the box, um, for every day It was like, if a new thought came, how would I execute it? How could I execute it? Who do I know that can help me get this, um, done who do I need to know that I don't know right now but I need to figure out how do I meet them because I really want to get this done and I think I just built a strategy on how do I start meeting people I started sending out free boxes like just to get people's attention and saying thank you and people would respond back thank you for what there was nothing that I was thanking them for. I just needed to get their attention or people wanted to know who sent this. You know, there was no, the card was here, but it didn't have the name on it. So I really thought about how I could contact people and I just started getting my hustle on. So. Um, well, it kind of sounds 360, Carla. Like, um, I know that you, you shared
1: the story with me and we haven't talked about it here, but you know many moons ago, when you were kind of dabbling in being a stylist, you kind of figured out like, well, how do I get to know that person? And you worked a lot in the music industry with styling people and styling different artists for photo shoots and things like that. And it's almost like it's come 360 for you, right? Like you're kind of back now into music. You're kind of back now into figuring out how do I open that door? How do I get to that person? How do I involve that aspect into my business so that Not only am I uplifting my business, but I'm uplifting all of these other
2: people in my community along with me. Um, I think you bring up a good point. Someone else just mentioned that to me the other day. how, How many people are you taking with you? That it was very interesting to her that all of my business models are all about taking the community with me. Um, I love music probably just as much or more as I love nails. And so I think that's why there's always the connection to that industry is because that's um, one of the things that I also love. Like I'm the person, if you sit me in your car, I'm going to know every song that comes on the radio and sing it to you. So I think it's just those are the things that I love and I don't limit myself to doing one thing. If I love five things, I'm gonna figure out a way on how all five of those things are gonna work and sync together to work together for me to do something that I love.
1: And that brings us to Bay Area Black Market.
2: Oh, yes. Let's we talk have about- a love hate relationship with Bay Area <laughs> Black Market. <laughs> But I think but, one of the cool things about it is
1: um, you have a you have a great perspective on how, and you have this innate entrepreneurial spirit that just exudes, right? And I think that is really what blossomed into Bay Area Black Market. Um,
2: Absolutely, and, and then it's you, taken
1: its course now.
2: Yeah, I started Bay Area Black Market about five years ago, and it was born out of trying to find more customers that looked like me. I literally, I was doing events, the event portion of the business was going really, really well. But like I said, I was like, well, I want to share this experience with other people. I want them to know that I exist. It wasn't that I'm saying like, I want this to be my only clientele, but how do I let this segment know that I exist? So I started reaching out to the organizations that I found online and they didn't respond as quickly as I wanted them to. Like, you got to remember, I'm an entrepreneur. I want you to do this right now because I want to do this. Like, if when you're an entrepreneur and you're ready to do something, you think the whole wide world is excited about your idea as with the same zeal that you are. And that wasn't so. So, a couple weeks went by. I didn't get a response. A couple months went by until I reached out to a friend of mine and said, Hey, Um, I reached out to these organizations and they didn't respond to me. If this is happening to me, it has to be happening to someone else. And I'm sure someone else also needs the same service. So we started going back and forth. I asked her, you know, would you put my website up for me? She said, yes. We started having community events. And the rest has literally been history. I started it just to be able to put my own business on there. And I figured, oh, if I do this with a bunch of people, it will work. You know, if I build a community, then this will work. It's not just about me. It's about I know if I have this issue, I know there are other businesses that are going to have this issue, too. So that's really all that I wanted was just a place to um market my business. In the interim, what happened was uh, we started doing websites for other people. We started doing marketing for other people. People started contacting me for everything. (laughs) Um, Things I knew nothing about, didn't even know existed. Um, People were reaching out just because I had kind of become... That go-to person when it came to small businesses um, in Oakland, and it took me a while to even grasp the idea that I had become that person because that wasn't what I was working towards. I was just working towards making a space for us to all put our business. I wasn't really trying to be a community leader or have. Um, I was. I don't even. I don't think I knew exactly what it was going to turn into. I just wanted us to have a space and in creating that space, I now have Facebook groups with over 5,000 people in them. Um, And we're developing programs for some really awesome, not just small businesses, but I've had the opportunity to work with Afrotech, with black enterprise, with essence, with chase. Um, So again, every Thing that I've kind of managed to do I figure out how to work with and partner with really major companies to accomplish my goals.
1: Yeah I think it's so inspirational and so amazing how you kind of deconstruct everything and really think about it and then think forward about how it works and then kind of look at how it's forming because I know Bay Area Black Market has kind of changed and you were really kind of that you were like the, at the helm for a while. And with all these other things that you've got going on, you know, in the last couple of months, you've kind of delegated some of that responsibility to other people. You now have a team of people who help run Bay Area Black Market. You guys have developed a little bit more of a business plan around it and being a resource hub for the solo entrepreneur all the way up to, you know, larger scale things, which I think is quite a feat in five years. And you should feel incredibly proud about mm-hmm. that. Um, I know I feel
2: incredibly proud and I'm not even, you know I am, I am. (laughs) I guess it goes back to I'm always tired. So I don't get to enjoy some of this stuff because I literally I am always um exhausted, which is why I had to get help with Bay Area Black Market. And we've recently partnered with SBDC to give free services to black businesses. So it's been a lot. Um and a lot of things that again, I didn't know I Being an entrepreneur doesn't mean that I know everything about everything. So there are a lot of opportunities that come my way that I know absolutely nothing about, which means that I have to start doing research on something before I sign contracts and before I say yes to deals. I have to learn a lot of stuff or pay somebody to, you know, explain it to me. Either way, I got to learn. But I have to learn a lot of new things in order to get some of these opportunities. Um that part isn't fun about business. I don't, I think that's the part that people don't know about because it's behind the scenes. And so you think that everything is just really pretty um, because you see the end result, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of networking. um, It's a lot of days with no sleep, but I do love it. I wouldn't change it for anything. I just try to tell people, like, be prepared. And if you're sleeping and you're eating every day, you're probably doing this all wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we got to get Carla some more coffee. <laughs> right,
0: right. I, I think it's an incredible story because I feel like you are an amazing networker. And then you created the network that you needed for, mm-hmm. to create that community that you were looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so it's like Shelly said, it's really come full circle for you, and um, that's super inspirational. I think to any anybody who's out there, entrepreneur, you know, creative, whatever they're doing,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's I, all about I, community.
2: I tell people that I'm an introvert, also, so I had to put a lot of intention behind doing all this people think that I'm this person that I like to talk I this scare all of this scares me to death but I also realize that I have to kind of grasp these opportunities um, and just do my best I'm not going to be perfect at anything I think one of the things that I've learned and I hear a lot from women entrepreneurs is they don't think they're as good as someone else and I stopped comparing myself to other people, the only person that I'm comparing myself to is the Carla that I was yesterday. So if I'm better than the Carla that I was yesterday, I'm already winning.
1: I love that. I needed to hear that today. Thank you, Carla. I great. <laughs> You're welcome. I think, I think it's great. a good reminder because uh, in the world we live in, especially with more and more social media and a lot of us living online, that comparison game is a real trap.
2: So I will tell you my secret to um, avoiding that whole social media trap in comparison is use a, another platform to do all of your commenting, all of it for you because you're still commenting with the people. But what happens is you you're doing business, you're doing it as marketing. You don't I don't spend now what's forty five minutes scrolling. Right. because I went there for a very intentional purpose at a blocked out segment of time. And that's all social media gets for me. Yeah,
1: no, it's smart. Nice. Right. Then you don't get, you don't get into the Alice in Wonderland going down the rabbit hole.
2: Oh effect. my God. Cause I keep following and I keep following and Oh, it's, it's, it's hor- bad. It's yeah. horrible.
1: So I'm curious for, um, you know, you do a lot of mentoring. Uh, For those that are like starting off and haven't quite figured out, you know, they're, they're just starting to grasp what that goal is for them. What's some of your kind of advice for those that are figuring out their goal or trying to, yeah, trying to figure out that goal that's going to push them for them?
2: I would definitely say start with your why. Because if you know why you're doing it, that should feel the passion that you need. Um, to drive you forward, to execute. If you don't know why you're doing something, you're probably not going to do it. Um, that was one of the other things I had to learn was my why. My why is what wakes me up in the morning. If I don't want my business to succeed um, as much as I need air, I'm probably not ready to be an entrepreneur. And it's really that. It, it sounds kind of harsh, but that's really how an entrepreneur thinks. Like you wake up at four or five in the morning because you're trying to accomplish your own goals, your own dreams. So I definitely say start with your why. Don't let it be about money because the money isn't going to come immediately. It's going to take time for that to come. And so if you do it for money, what happens when you have a month that you don't have any sales? Would that mean that you quit because, you know, there wasn't any money? So I don't think that you should associate the why with money either. It has to be something that's much deeper than money. And my last one would be the thing that probably took me the longest to learn. Get a team because you cannot do everything. You cannot do everything by yourself I don't care what kind of super mom you are at home. I don't care what position you hold at work. There is no way to run an entire business by yourself. I tell people all the time, think about where you've worked in the past and think about how many people it took just to run one day. So then multiply that by how many stores they have and then think you're trying to be all of that and there's just no way that we can do that, find the things that you're good at and do those and partner with people to do the things that you're not so good at. Collaborate with people so that you guys, maybe you barter, I don't know, but you figure it out so that that part of your business still operates um, smoothly, even though it's not the area that you're an expert in. If you don't have people in your network that do it, you may have to pay someone and create a budget, figure it out. You know, don't wait until you need it. Start building that relationship, finding out what those costs will be and really make a plan ahead of time. I see a lot of people just jump into business with no plan. You just kind of see someone else doing something and again it all looks easy so you assume oh yeah I can just do the same thing but it really takes a lot of planning give yourself at least six months to plan out what that business looks like and what it looks like if it failed and what it looks like if it was absolutely amazing if all of your dreams came true what would that look like and then what would it look like if it did not because you're going to end up somewhere in the middle You're not going to end up on either one of those sides, but you're going to end up somewhere in the middle. And so at least you've kind of poked holes in what could be. And so you're more prepared for reality of being an entrepreneur. If you give yourself kind of a strategy on what the, what would my business look like if it was exactly what I wanted? Cause it's not going to be that to start out, but where are you starting? And then from that, where you're starting that, if I failed, Horribly in three months. Like, what would that look like? Would it look like I lost ten thousand dollars? Would it look like I lost two? Um, What you need? I think people don't spend enough time on those numbers, and that's the one thing that I think. um, Yeah, we just don't spend enough time on it. So it's on the back end that you have to deal with your decisions. When if we plan better, you can get over those hurdles because you'll have a plan. You'll know what your cost starts to be, what your cash flow is going to be. You can do that forecasting. Um, you have balance sheets. It's easier to get, um, someone to invest in you because you've actually kind of created a plan and you've done some work. You can talk about what, you know, your cost of goods. So like I ask people that question and they don't know what that is. That's pretty much a sign of where I, where the person is in the entrepreneur journey. Um, Because I am a business consultant, it's like one of the first questions. And I ask it in a general conversation. So the person has no idea that it's really a question that I'm... But I think just knowing those types of numbers are major for any business. And plan, 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 and have good people like you, like Tracy, somebody that you know in the world, have them poke holes in it. And don't feel, don't take those pokings personal because they may be able to see things that you didn't see so I always tell people give your idea talk to someone that you trust share the idea with them and let them poke holes in it so that if there are gaps that you didn't think of maybe they will think of them and then that makes you go back to the drawing board to have a better plan
1: I love that right? You know, I think that's something about, you know, Tracy and I do that with each other about, you know, well, what do we think about this idea? Even if it's just as simple as like a marketing plan, you know, Mm -hmm. well, what makes most sense? You know, I might think I need to be marketing something and then she sees a different opportunity in the market that I should market something else. And then it's like, oh, okay, but let's do this or let's do that. Or those two work well together. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also do that with focus on women about how you know, how do we bring in a certain, you know, person, or we're going to do like a happy hour, or what is the next thing? What's the next iteration of the business? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I love this idea of, you know, bring it to a friend, bring it to a, you know, a consultant, and let them Mm -hmm. provide another set of eyes to it. Tracy, thoughts?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's super important to um, have the courage to ask other people their opinion on what you think you know what you're doing and also to ask for help when you need it you know because it is overwhelming and it's very overwhelming to have your own business um and I think the key to success at being your own entrepreneur is really the team around you and the people that you you know get who help support you in that business so I think it's all really great advice
2: Thank you, thank you. Yes, that was the thing that I think I had to learn the hard way. Right. Um, I thought that I could run Barry Black Market by myself, or at least with the web developer and I. Like, Two, we started this, so I was like the loyal CEO. Well, I got to make sure she's taken care of, not really realizing. She only does one thing. So what's happened is along the way, I've gotten burned out. She's gotten burned out. I wanted to just close the business altogether. Um, And all of that stemmed from us not having a team. Once I started building that team and it took pressure off of her, it took pressure off of me, I was also able to really look at all the opportunities and all the other things that we could do because I wasn't stressed out over it all the time. I had people who I could trust. Um, And I could actually delegate things to, and they got done. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's important.
1: Yeah. And I think when you're in it, like you were saying, like at some point you guys were in the trenches and you're just like, I'm done, dude, let's just cash in and (laughs) quit. You know, I'm turning in my chips. We're going home. And then you start to realize, well, what if I asked for help? What if I, I know this other person and they're kind of a subject matter expert in this area. I wonder if they will be willing to be part of the team. And I think a big takeaway and something that is a continual learning for me is that ask for help piece, right? Mm -hmm. Is to raise your hand and say, I need help with this. Like, yes, I can do it on my own, but it's so hard for me or it's too much. I have too much
2: already. Can you come help me with this Mm -hmm. thing? And keep Um, in mind, the woman who I partnered with, I met her online. I didn't know her. Prior to this, we weren't two people who had grown up together or worked together or any of that. I met this woman online and from whatever I saw online, I trusted that she would be a person that I could go into business with. And of course, we've had our ups downs. It has not been a flowery road all the time, but we still are together. We still support each other. We still work together. She's um, over operations. She's our COO. So that has not changed. Um, And I appreciate that she was able to see my vision. What's happened in that time is like some of the people who were our first customers are now on that team also. So like you said, it's not just asking for help, but what was hard was asking strangers for help. Mm-hmm. Because you may not know all the people that you need help from. It's easier to ask someone that you know for help, but asking people that you don't know for help for your own business, not knowing if they're open to it, I think sometimes that can be a r- really scary. Because you don't know if the person's gonna say yes or no, you don't know how the person's going to respond, you don't know what the person even thinks of you. So I think those things were really hard for me because again I'm an introvert, so and I don't do well with um, probably de- being denied for something. So in rejection, so that was all really really hard for me. I didn't have a big network of women either at the time. So all of this is tremendous for me to have done because I was not this person at all. I really had to move with intention to make it all happen.
0: Yeah. That's great. And I'm thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It's awesome. You are so welcome. That's so cool. And can you tell us where people can find out more about things like your um your classes or that you're doing the visual stuff the packages yeah. and
2: yeah the virtual webs st- the virtual events will be on www.nailprosbox.com and then the workshops and the other stuff that we do for small businesses you can find at www.bayareablackmarket.com Um, And carlabugs.com is coming down the pike because my team feels like I need to be my own brand. (laughs) Yay. Carla needs her own landing page so
0: we can go find all her other
2: fun things. Exactly. Um, Smart. Yeah, so that's the next kind of levels. I'll be selling um, digital business planners.
0: Awesome. Great. Well, it was so great to talk to you today. Thanks again. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thanks everyone for tuning in. You can hear more episodes on iTunes and Spotify and check us out at focusonwomen.org. Stay safe and we'll see you soon.